Welcome to the Travelling Senorita, episode 170. I have made it down to where I grew up. I know I often talk about where I'm living, where I've been, but I actually grew up here, which is the Mornington Peninsula, at the southern end of Victoria, about an hour or so away from Melbourne town. The funny thing about this place is when I grew up here on an apple orchard, there wasn't a lot of, well, there was one winery and one maze. It was known for its rustic environment, its surf beaches, and a couple of pubs down the road, but not so much about its restaurants and wineries. Fast forward 30 years, and this place is well, well cemented as a wine district, hot springs, restaurants, chefs. It's incredible, and it is, um, I would liken it to Western Australia, Margaret River, and Tasmania is that up there in terms of wine and produce. So for me to come back home to my roots 30 years later is always impressive. I find places that I would never have dreamed of as a young child growing up on the farms here. So I'm here and I've landed in the Moonalings on the golf course because Peppers have a wonderful rustic but contemporary place to stay on the golf course which is the Peppers Moonalings and I'm lucky enough to be staying here tonight and interviewing the chef at the Pebbles restaurant, Chef Dipen Patel. Hello Chef. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. It's been a week of chefs for me, Melbourne yeah. chefs. So <laughs> I'm down on the peninsula and uh, I heard about you a few reasons. One was, uh, you know, with chefs, there's always some, oh, where have you worked? And the Heston name was thrown around. And I was yeah. like, I want to talk to this guy about how he lands in the Mornington Peninsula and heads up a restaurant like Pebbles. So firstly, where did you grow up? So I was born in India and um, I grew up in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Um, Not a very busy town. <laughs> <laughs> how many millions of people live there? Oh, God. Millions, I think. Millions uh, and millions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so growing up, was it like a busy place and like lots going on for you? Um, it is. I would say uh, well, the thing is, India is quite uh, big as well. So, but there are people everywhere. What age did you leave India? Uh, when I was eleven. And what do you remember about India? Uh, the rustic. Uh, streets, like you know, all the buildings, um, not fully finished, but like a very, I want to call it old. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's all coming back up again. Spices, culture? Oh, uh, yes. Colour. A uh, lot of culture. As, as you can say, there's like um, 26 different languages. Wow. Yeah. Um, from 26 different states. Um, they have their own unique culture and their own style of food and spices that they use. Because, I mean, so, 12, you're going to remember a fair bit about yeah. that time. No, I do. I, I, I remember very clearly growing up. Uh, if you talk about food, I remember like uh, when I was five, six. Um, because we used to live on the fourth floor, and we didn't we didn't have lifts, mm. so but it was so cultural back and then. It was hot. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, when you were walk into the building, like you know, so each floor had about three houses, three flats, and funny thing is, none of those houses were ever closed. The doors were always open, right? 
and as you walk up and you can smell all the food different type of food they are they're cooking mm. and like you know from south indian to north indian western mm. bengal all different kinds and you do wander in and out of those oh it's crazy because i because i've been a foodie like you know I think since I was born, I just love, I just love well, food. Maybe it starts there. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, really starting to notice the spices and yeah. the flavors. So it's, it's, it's funny because what I used to do is not knowing much. I would just, if the door's open and if someone's having lunch, I'll just pop my head and <laughs> see what they're doing. And, um, like, you know, so if, like you know, the auntie was cooking something. She would, she would just invite me. Like, oh, just sit down, like, well, and we just have lunch with before, us. Because not every child was thinking that. Like, yeah. they were eating and then going out and playing. Like, yeah. It takes a certain palate and a certain creative brain to really hone in on the love of food. Yeah. And I'm thinking you were talking about New Zealand, and we'll get there. But I think maybe it started on that staircase. It probably did, and because. And like, uh, so my mum and dad always used to work, right? So I actually was brought up by my neighbours next door. Like, <laughs> yeah, and she was an amazing cook. What sort of dishes did she cook? Uh, she was she, uh, she was from Goa, so they had a, like a oh, South Indian and mm. like a Goanese cuisine. Beautiful. Oh God, I used to love it. Like. Like you said, the fish mm. um, coated in like semolina and then fried with spices. Amazing. That's and just a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so when your parents decided to move to New Zealand, yeah. what was the what was the uh, what was the method behind that? Why did they go? So uh, my dad uh, got an opportunity to move over to New Zealand on shift basis he thought that moving over to New Zealand will give us luck in a better career opportunity mm -hmm. for me and my sister so and he actually did a course over in New Zealand a cooking course mm -hmm. um, so and, he's a chef yes he was he's retired now yeah um, and so he started helping my uncle with his restaurant um, so not only back home in India that I grew up like you know doing my homework in the kitchen as well as like you know when I moved over here like uh, I started helping my dad out in his like a little restaurant like making I, I remember like this is when I was 14 15 and I was kneading 20 kilo dough by hand right okay <laughs> yeah I didn't I, it was actually fun <laughs> for me I didn't realise like you know he scared me because it was a hard work for him but yeah. <laughs> it was quite fun. Yeah. To... Was, was your sister helping as well or just you? No, just me. She's not that much into cooking. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it was mainly just me. So when your dad went to New Zealand, did he open a restaurant? He didn't open a restaurant. My uncle had a restaurant right, and he was working. Restaurant. Yeah. Well, where was that? Uh, that was in Wellington. Okay. Yeah. And so you grew up in New Zealand. You're very much yeah. Kiwi. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So from the age of 12 until... Till I was 27. So that's a real fusion, isn't it? Going from India to New Zealand. What is it about um, New Zealand that you fell in love with and the culture of? Um, there are a lot of things that actually inspired me about New Zealand. It's, like I said, the coastal area. I love water. 
love fish and slowly I've you introduced... You even have a Kiwi accent. Say fish again. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> you do, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I got introduced to a lot of coastal ingredients, but I got introduced to them by using them um, at cooking school because we used to buy like things like samphire and and because I do a bit of fishing as well. Yeah. So I we used to go out fishing. I was like, oh, what's that growing? And I didn't realize the samphire was just growing, like you know, out of nowhere. Yeah, it was quite native. Yeah. And that's why, and then I started researching more into like uh, like foraging, uh, native greens, their benefits, and all that sort of stuff. And that's how I got into it. The wrong one. You can. You need to actually be educated in what's growing there. Yes. Yes. Especially comes mushrooms that's going around. Yeah. You you can't just pick anything. No. So it becomes something that you learn, right? Yes, uh, it is, and there's a ways you can pick it as well and. Mm try to find out first of all don't go on picking something if you don't know what it is and yeah. do not try it yeah. Yeah. Um, but the way we've got thought was especially with the flowers because edible flowers were quite a big thing like mm. you know five seven years ago and we should pick it they're back should... by the way they're, they're back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and like you know you rub it uh, just on your lip and if you get a little bit of irritation that means it's not good. Oh, really? Is that how you test it? Yeah. Wow. Or on your back of your hand first. Mm-hmm. If you get irritation, you don't, uh, like, you know, you don't use it. And then apparently your lips are quite sensitive. Mm-hmm. So just tiny bit. I wouldn't recommend anyone yeah. doing that. But yeah, right. like, you know, if you, if you are highly confident that you can, especially like, you know, stuff like Did you have somebody over there that was guiding you? Like an indigenous New Zealand? Um, not really. Like a, so we used... Um, a lot of free, we did a lot of research, like on the internet, Google. We, like you know, looked at what it looks like. And thing is, growing stuff over in Europe it can be, it could look different over here. That's right. So you got to be very careful. And uh, we do not intend to use anything till we are hundred, hundred, hundred percent sure that it's safe. Yeah. And so, where were you working in New Zealand? Where did you end up? Studying and, and so I, stu- I studied my culinary arts in Wellington mm-hmm. um, at Raltech, the Wellington Institute of Technology. Um, from there, I went on to Shed Five. It was a seafood restaurant, um, and it was run by Simon Gold. I'm not too sure if you know Simon Gold. He was a celebrity chef uh, like five, ten years ago, mm-hmm. and he's doing a massive nourish group. And it was a group restaurant, so we got moved over quite a lot. So I worked in like a, so seafood restaurants, worked in a few steakhouse restaurants, high end. Um, but best experience for me was uh, Taylor's on Jackson. So during my time at Shed Bob, I met my head chef, Glenn Taylor, and who inspired me a lot as well, who's an Aussie. Um, and he went like when I first started at Shed Five, he was just leaving and going on to different ventures. But I ended up meeting up with him again, and uh, he opened up his own restaurant called Taylor's Taylor's on Jackson, which was like his uh, last name was Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we it was only uh, him, 
me and another apprentice and we worked very hard and using all the like you know native ingredients using new techniques and we ended up getting a hat within six months um, of us opening the opening the restaurant yeah yeah and that that was great that was the best experience like it was very hard work Mm. 18 hour shifts but it was well worth it and just on hats what do you think happens to restaurants after you get a hat it's a lot of pressure yes actually um it doesn't end Mm. once you get a hat it does not end Mm. because people yes people's perspective changes towards you yeah that's right um and i feel like uh sometimes too much pressure Mm. but it is very important that even to retain a hat and if you get a hat is you should still like you know do not try too hard Mm. keep doing what you're doing like you know keep evolving obviously did they get a hat the following year Yes, we, yeah. we uh, got consecutive hat three years in a row. It, it strikes me as retaining the hat is the important thing. It is, yeah. it is. But like I said, like as long as um, you do not try too hard, don't try to do too much either. Because mm. um, when you try to do too much, uh, you lose your consistency. Yeah. I think restaurants, having owned one myself, it's all that consistency. And there are 100%. so many variables that can go wrong yeah. in any serving. But if the guest leaves feeling that there was consistent, doesn't mean that the food was unbelievable that night, doesn't mean the yeah. service was, but all of the elements yeah. work together where you have good food, good service, and good ambiance, yeah. you have a good night. One of those things goes out, yes. it's a shit night. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes. That's a lot definitely. of pressure though, isn't it? It is, it is. Because uh, most of the time you can control what's happening in the kitchen. Yeah. But you, sometimes what happens outside, yeah. um, it's totally out of your control. Yeah. So fast forward, you come to Australia, you work with Heston. Um, yes. Now, I, I haven't actually worked with him because he <coughs> wasn't really there. Yeah. Funny that <laughs> you worked at Heston's. Yeah, uh, the dinner pop, by Heston. Pop up restaurant, or was it a permanent one in Melbourne? It was a permanent one yeah. in Melbourne. Okay, so that's that's a real leap from kind of rustic uh, native ingredients in New Zealand. Yeah. To going what I would call uber contemporary like science. Yeah. With Heston, um, well, I mean, even if he's not there, it's his philosophy, and you have to follow everything that he has yeah. been before. How did that feel for you? And was it a, like was it intimidating, or was it something you were excited about? I was actually very excited because uh, myself, like, and I love my pastry. Oh, and your pastry! Yeah. Ooh, so, how about dessert. Yeah. Okay. Dessert. Um, the second chef this week that has said that to me, which is um, intriguing, because executive chefs or chefs, uh, head chefs, are all about like you know, banging out the main meal and banging out really good dishes. Yeah. But to hone in on pastry, it's it's intriguing. Well, once again, we might have to go back again in time. Uh, where I, when I was at Shed Five, yeah. um, we hired, uh, well, the group hired a chef from um, 
Alinea. Uh, not not Alinea. Uh, Alinea uh, for an restaurant in Spain. Yeah. Was Alinea? Alinea. I think it is called Alinea. Yeah, I think yeah. So they hired a chef from there, and um, they brought him over, um, and I got to learn molecular gastronomy. That's when I entered pastry. Okay. Because we worked a lot with molecular gastronomy, and I, uh, it just intrigued me with all the liquid nitrogen and um, like using dry ice, uh, different type of um, like you know like algae and um, it's like a science. This, yeah, it was like science, so and it was quite of, exciting. This is where the comes in. Yes, and that's how I got intrigued with uh, molecular gastronomy. And then I carried on. I did my own research behind it and started working on it. And um, I used it a lot. And But Heston was always in my mind. It's like, oh, look, I would love to work in this restaurant one day. So uh, how did you make that happen? All of a sudden, I was at, well, when I was working at Zavivo, I was there for three and a half years. And I was working under Adam Newell. And who was, back in the day, who was an executive chef for uh, Rue Brothers in London. Um, and working with them uh, was a great experience, but I think he, uh, we kind of like, you know, fell off on the wrong foot. And then he basically challenged me. He's like, you're gonna go there. And he uh, brought up the name Glenn. He's like, oh, you're gonna end up working with him again. I was like, no. I want to go there and go work at Dinner by Heston. Wow. And I was like, you won't get a job there. I was like, watch me. Mm-hmm. I love it when someone says, you're not going to. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and luckily, um, that was the first place I applied at. And within within two days, I got a call from them with my trial and I got the job. And what were you making there? So I was on a garnish section. So a lot of pan work. Um, uh, mainly, I was doing entrees and garnishes for the mains. Yeah. Yeah. Did you end up getting into that pastry side? Not really. I tried, but <laughs> they were always like, you know, they were always occupied. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't get in there. So, what does like a dinner by Heston experience look like? Uh, dinner by, it was very methodical. Everything was like. Everything was measured by a ruler to weigh to a like no to a milligram. Wow. Um, it was almost like um, you're doing like mathematics in in the kitchen. Yeah. And like you know chemistry yeah. in the <laughs> kitchen. Um, honestly, um, I kind of got bored of it. Because it took me away from creating proper kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where did you Where? go from Heston? Sorry. Where did you go when you finished at Heston? So from Heston, from the city. Um, I so I ended up at the Bards um, in Sorrento, and the reason behind that was because I was missing home. Because you love the coast. Yes. <clears throat> And uh, like you know, and I loved this area because of that. As like uh, my friend used to run the bars, 
Um, and he's like, I'll oh, just come over here, see how you feel. And I was like, okay. You, you, so, what is it about the Mornington Peninsula that you really love? Is it going out fishing and... Oh, it's, it's everything. It's from the wineries yeah. to the coastal area. Um, like I said, the foraging. I, it felt like I was free again. Yeah. Like, because uh, back home in New Zealand, everything was close by. And that's how I feel Mornington Peninsula is for me. And is that how you create your menus now? Um, most of the time. Yeah. I do use like a... A lot of I try to because I, I use salt bush quite a lot. Um, use a lot of floral greens. Um, use a lot of um, nasturtium. Very ground based stuff mm. at the moment. Uh, but as we come to yes, yeah. I love seafood. That's that's I think I love working at the bars was like you know working with the seafood. Yeah. Um, the next uh, menu that we do will be like in a lot of fresh seafood, but that's going to summer. Yeah. And like, I, that's what I do. So what I do is I use a lot of fresh uh, seafood ingredients during summer. Seasonal, yeah. Yeah, and then as we go into the winter, I use a lot of um, like secondary cuts of meats, like, you know, brisket, uh, lamb rump, shoulders. From around the region? Yes, mostly from around the region. Um, it depends on like, you know, what they have got available. Yeah. So fast forward, we're in Pebbles Restaurant, yeah. which is part of the Moonalings um, golf yeah. area, Pepper's accommodation. How do you find yourself here? Um, I felt over here, the main reason over here was they were looking for that change when I started here. And coming from the bars, I had more flexibility with the menu because it was just not seafood based. It was more, uh, so I want to basically put my own name on it, on Pebbles Restaurant. Is this by the using... first time that you've been an executive chef? Yes. Good, well, good yes. And Thank you, you came here a couple of years ago? Yes. Had a bit of a rough trot with the old pandemic, but... Yeah. And, and, and so talk me through this property. Is it is it majority sort of like golf, local, or a mix of both? Um, I would say it's, it is an international golf course, obviously. Yeah, um, like, yeah PGA, uh, like a, which is huge. Uh, but it's quite very local as well. Mm. So we've got over 250 residents here okay. to live on the actual property. Yeah. Um, which, and they would come here for dinner? Yes, they do. Most of them, like, this is their home yeah. for them. Yeah. Like, um, so that's why my menu is over here. It's very versatile. Because um, I want to try to make it as homely as possible for them as well, so they can come out every night. Yeah. What sort of dishes would you uh, describe as homely? Uh, I like a lot of... Uh, this is going from them, uh, like you know, I like a lot of braised dishes. Um, for me, my favourite favourite salad which I've got on the me- on my swipe by menu, which is the buttermilk uh, roasted chicken salad. Butter? Uh, buttermilk. Oh, buttermilk. Nice. Buttermilk chicken salad. So what we do is we marinate um, chicken breast and buttermilk with parmesan and garlic overnight and then next day I've got a small pizza oven which I roast it off nice. um, in the morning yeah. um, and then we 
basically shred that up through put it through the salad. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So um, Pebbles is your first executive role. Uh, Moon Links is my first executive role. Yeah. Um, so I've been a head chef at um, the Bards. I was a head chef over in New Zealand. Yeah. The two uh, two restaurants that I worked at. Yeah. Uh, this is my first executive uh, well, chef what role. What does an executive chef role entail? Um, if you, it's basically looking after the whole, more multiple venues. Um, so I've got Spike Bar, I've got uh, Pebbles Restaurant, but there's only two. But we also have conferences, which caters for different, um, like different um, occasions. Mm. Uh, we got we do weddings. Uh, we have three different lodges as well. So. It's basically creating a menu that come like doing that accommodates everyone pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. So how many people can actually stay on site here? The accommodation. Um, you can have up to sixty-five to seventy. Yeah. yeah. And is that yes. generally quite full most of the week? Uh, winter is a bit quiet, mm. but um, after September, yeah, most of the time it's fully booked, especially in the weekends. Um, Friday. From Friday to Sunday, it's always booked there. It's a beautiful property. So what is it about the Mornington Peninsula that has captured your heart? What What do you love about this place? Um, you mean Moona Links? Uh, oh, no, the, the, the destination. The de- destinations. Um, there's a lot of things. Like, I love wine. So wine's one of the biggest thing. And I think... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I feel... Uh, it feels like home to me because yeah. um, like I said I, I like fishing so I can go fishing whenever I want it's just you know, like you know I can just two minutes mm. sometimes I can walk there yeah. um, the bush walks um, in general just water I love water yeah, that's I just love and being so do around your family water. still live in Wellington? yes yeah. so they've yeah. visited you here? not yet they not will. yet yeah Pebbles oh. in, yeah. What can we uh, see from Pebbles Restaurant in the future? In future, um, we are going more towards um, like a nostalgic sort of a menu that comes from my background and comes from my chef's background. So I As try in Indian background. So I've got versatile team here. So like I know I've got some um, like I've got an Aussie apprentice. That started. I've got a under the Kiwi yeah. that's in the kitchen. I've got two Sri Lankans. Wow! Yeah, now that's amazing. Yeah, now I've got two. Uh, we actually try to do that all the time. Like, and I try to encourage them. Like, bring your background. Mm. Like, you know, let's put something together, and like, let's create something. Mm. So, what I want to do but is sort of almost keep it nostalgic Australian as well. That's as a, well. That's a yeah. Hard breed. Yeah, but it's, it's like you know, what well, that's the fun part about it. Yeah. Like you know, so I basically I get to play around with it, and it's great. Um, for example, like using wood fired method, but then I'm using Indian flavors, mm. um, using native ingredients. Mm. So using them all together, yeah. Unlike a really good beef cut or something. Yeah, really? like yeah, like wow. you know, um, so it's it's endless, mm. and it's that's a real what I fusion of yeah, cultures there. yeah, 
What is there something on the menu? Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be eating here tonight. Uh, what do you love on the menu right now? So one of my most favorite dish at the moment is the lamb rump. So lamb rump has been marinated with um, garlic and um, mountain pepperberry. Oh, nice. Um, and gets uh, uh, pan fried. Mm-hmm. Uh, we serve it medium, and it goes with uh, beetroot baklava. Oh, nice. Yes. Beetroot baklava. Yeah. Beetroot in pastry. Yes. Wow. So it's like a filo pastry. Yes. Um, different, like you know, each uh, there's like three different colors. Like so, it's heel and beetroot. Uh, we've got red, candy, yellow, and then we finish it with um, duka. Oh, that sounds... See, that is your kitchen in a nutshell. That sounds impressive. I just recently had a mulva prawn eclair. Yeah. Oh, interesting. squid eclair. Yeah. Like, I yeah. love that. I love yeah. that. That's creativity for me yeah. in the kitchen. That and um, one of my chefs has created... Well, his big dish, which is a strip loin, and we're doing uh, oxtail dumpling with it. Oh wow! With black pudding and um, a braising sauce. That's and, impressive. And then we've got another dish, which is my favourite as well, which is a duck breast, and it goes with like a choya berry jus and polenta, a crispy polenta mash. Oh, I'm hungry, I'm <laughs> hungry. Now, before we finish, um, I would like to know where and who inspires you in the world. Like, where is a, where is a place that inspires you firstly? Person? A person and a place. A person and a place. Like, uh, it's so hard looking, because well, honestly, just, you go outside. Yeah. We have not mentioned your mum. Yes. And I'm going to, because <laughs> off, off the air, we were talking about your mum and yeah. how she inspired you with what she was cooking growing up. Yeah. So let's talk about her a little bit. Okay, so she inspired because I love her food, like, you know, uh, and when we're talking about nostalgic, and that's what I try to do. It's like, uh, I remember, like, you know, what she was cooking for me, which you can't get anywhere in New Zealand or Australia. I just ask her, I call her up, my mum, how do you make this? And she'll tell me, which I've, I've actually, I might do a special for you tonight and you'll <laughs> yes, see. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. Yes. And um, it, you'll see, like, you know, what I'm talking about. Wow, but okay. uh, that's basically, I remember, is like, you know, I'm doing my homework and she's making roti bread or curry. Oh, I love this now. Oh, I, can, I can just think, think about crazy. it. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. And all. That's the almost way through. Worth crossing the ditch first. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, uh, I remember, even though she didn't know I was going to be a chef, she never knew I was going to be a chef or anything like growing up. But when I'm in the kitchen, she was really strict. Like, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. Right. Like, so yeah. she taught you. Yeah, she taught me. Like, a lot of things she taught me. Oh, yeah. Bless her. She's still cooking now. Yeah. She'll never stop cooking. No, she won't. Does she have children around her to feed? Uh, well, my sister, uh, she's there. Like, you know, she's living with a partner at home. But the funny thing is, it's not only her own kids or, like, in you know, a family. She'll be cooking for everyone else. Like so, a staircase. Yeah. Like a staircase. Yeah, so... And where's a place that inspires you? Oh, it's everywhere. That's what I was going to say. Like, you know... Um, it's definitely ocean. Ocean, yes, but also the bushwalks and like, you know, 
Um, it's crazy. It's when I first went on the bushwalk, like you know, because even New Zealand's very like in a cultural as well. So you meet up with so many different uh, chefs from all over the world, and you go somewhere and they notice something, and it's like, oh, this is edible. Uh, this is chickweed. Some of this is nasturtium. Oh, this is watercress. Yeah. And um, so I would say, like you know, the nature itself is very. Inspiring. Well, you're living in one of the most beautiful places um, oh, in Australia. That's uh, like, you know, uh, when I started here, I showed them and they were surprised, like, you know, how much potential there is, like, you know, using the own indigenous uh, ingredients mm-hmm. around here that grows here. This property is um, exceptional. For yeah. Well. I can't wait to try your menu tonight. I'm really hungry. Thank yeah. you so much for spending some time with me. What a great journey you've had. We'll continue to have. Thank you so much. Thank you. Adios.